Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to First Class Fantasy. I am Theo Greminger, and I'm happy to be rejoined by Billy Muzio. Billy's been been grinding away, but he's has not been on First Class Fantasy for the last couple of weeks. Uh, Billy, we missed you, and and now and now you're back, man. And we're not only Billy is back, but we're joined by a good friend of ours and one of the sharper guys out in the fantasy football sphere, Jared Smola of Draft Sharks. Billy and I po- uh, podcasted with Jared on First Class Fantasy. One of our first guests was Jared. Uh, and then I had Jared on press coverage. Jared's gone on um, pl- pretty much any podcast we've had, Jared's been on at this point. So it's really, really great to have Billy back. It's also great to have Jared in the house. Jared, why don't you let everybody know kind of where they can find your work, what you have going on? Like, what's a weekly schedule for you? You're grinding, man. <laughs> yeah, I'm happy to be back on with you guys. I got I to admit, I, I decline most um, in-season guest pod appearances because I'm just too damn busy. But I, I always... Uh, have to make time to get on with you guys because I do feel like I'm I'm smarter after I talk to you guys every <laughs> every time and that's 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 that that's a, the honest truth. Um, yeah, DraftSharks.com for all of my stuff. Um, I do a weekly usage article, kind of look kind of looking back at what we learned from usage the previous week. I do a weekly matchups article that's new for this year. Week seven just went up, and then be, besides that, I'm um, I'm just grinding away at the projections that you know fuel our weekly rankings. They fuel our, my team page, which is going to take those weekly projections, apply them to your league scoring system and sort of give you you know, customized start set advice. And Billy was big time on this player. And I drafted a lot of this player as well, but you guys, a couple years back, Jared, you kind of like made a, you already had a name going for yourself, but you made a bigger name when you had your comeback player of the year and it was Cooper cup. You guys at Draft Sharks told told everybody to draft him, and and at the time he was the second highest drafted wide receiver on his team. When you guys made the big bold call this year, you guys made another really strong call in the summertime. Why don't you talk about the performance of Keenan Allen and what did you slap on him this year? Your your big your big uh, award preseason award or prediction, however you want to call it. Yeah, Keenan Allen was our comeback player this year, so we've been doing well there. Um, happy to see how well he's done. Just, just liked it was it was a buy on the Chargers' offense more than anything else. I think that's worked out under Kellen Moore. I think you know we're seeing Keenan Allen even before Michael Williams went down. He was the focal point of that passing game. That's going to continue. So you know, just just fingers crossed he stays healthy because if he does, I do think he's going to you know continue to be a top five fantasy wide receiver the rest of the way. Love it, and Billy. You've been doing something really cool on Saturday nights with Bradley Stalder. Um, you guys, you and Bradley have like a, a history of podcasting together for years and years before. Now you guys are, are back together and you're doing something very cool. YouTube only content right here at Player Profiler. Why don't you tell everybody about that? Yeah, we we decided to continue doing the Dominator through the season, doing a lot of start set AMA questions on Saturday night. Uh, I had like probably a dozen plus people reach out to me on Twitter, Discord, uh, asking if we could do it again. Uh, they missed it because we used to bring, we used to do it at like midnight Eastern every Saturday night. And it was this, this kind of became this reoccurring podcast that uh, by chance just, I think just kind of took off because everyone was sitting there doing lineups late at night. And um, we don't do midnight Eastern anymore. We're, we're more like a nine, 9 PM Eastern, but um, it is definitely, um, 
I'd say it's been catching like wildfire. You know, we usually have a hundred plus people on live asking questions. We, we try to answer every question. We say it's a 30 minute pod. We have yet to record under 55 minutes um, because we just continue to answer every single question before we log off. Um, and so we do get to every single one of them. Um, and it's been, uh, it's been a good time. What time are you going uh, this Saturday evening, Billy? Uh, I think it's going to be 9 o'clock Eastern again. Uh, I'll be going to be – I'm heading to the coast for my daughter's birthday for the weekend. I'm going to be recording from the ocean. So um, I think we'll get a nice little sunset there in the background, Theo. Recording in the ocean would yes. be even cooler. <laughs> Can we get, like, Billy on, like, a raft or something? You want, like, no shirt very... and everything? Like, you Listen, know, water shirt, boys. Shirt is optional. <laughs> completely optional. Completely optional. You know, and the, the kind of boat, it could be a canoe. Wherever you can set up and maintain a Wi-Fi uh, signal. But, Jared, this this is a great week to have you on, and we have to bring in the heavy hitters. Uh, you know, this is a tough, tough, tough week for fantasy managers. You have Bymageddon. This is the first time this season that we have six teams on buys, and there are some impactful names that are going to be missing out of our lineups this week. And you also have the injuries continue to pile up. And right now we have some question marks on some guys, which makes it even more difficult, whether you had Tuesday or Wednesday night waivers, you know, choosing how to spend your money, uh, your fab money or your, your waiver wire, you know, rolling list allocation. That was tough because you don't know whether some of these guys are going to play or not. So this was a really tough one. But looking at the season as a whole, you guys do a ton of work on your rankings um, and your projections at Draft Sharks, like we do at Player Profiler. Who's the player that's like the biggest pleasant, positive surprise for you? A guy that maybe you weren't that high on in the preseason or maybe you thought was going to be okay, but it's just blown you away with, with, their, with their performances. Yeah, I think... Puka Nakua and I think Raheem Mostert are just too too easy for, for this. Um, I went with Jared Goff, um, who I, I just like think that. he's been a solid fantasy asset, better than I thought. And he just I think what he's done for the rest of that offense, you know, Sam Laporta comes to mind immediately. I think, you know, it's a reason to maybe be optimistic about Jamison Williams down the stretch, just how well Jared Goff is playing. He's sitting on a career high 69.5% completion rate. He's averaging eight yards per attempt. He's actually second in pro football focus passing grade now grade right now behind only two attack of Aloha. Um, Goff is f- quarterback five himself in fantasy points. And he even had a nice fantasy outing on the road last week, which is, you know, always kind of the bugaboo with Jared Goff. He can't do it on the road, but he had, he had a nice game in Tampa Bay. So another tough test for him this week against um, Baltimore, but I do think he's playing well enough to just continue to support all those weapons in Detroit. Yeah. And Billy, we talked about Ben Johnson, about what a great offensive mind he was. We talked about that in several shows this summer and it's really coming into shape. It doesn't really seem to matter who's out there personnel-wise. Detroit is is efficient, and they're putting up fantasy points every single week. Your thoughts on golf rest of the season, Billy? Yeah, I, I definitely think he's a quarterback one locked in. I was high on him compared to ECR in the projections model this offseason. And I, I do think that uh, Jared touched base on his road and home game splits. That's a real thing. I mean, this is like you know, Jackal and Hyde typically. And uh, like you mentioned, last game was was promising. Um, if he can just string together a few more of those this season, I think we're, we're looking at, you know, a top seven – potential top eight all season long um, as long as he has his weapons healthy. Um, I do want to see them get more involved in the running backs, like getting them more involved in the passing game. Uh, and so I, I think that will at least help him with, you know, the accuracy and also kind of check down when he gets in trouble. But um, I think it's promising for the rest of the season. I mean, lines are sneaky, really sneaky, you know, contenders to win the, that whole division. Jared over under quarterback seven and a half. Where does Jared Goff finish? I would have to go over, you know, yeah. or worse than just because he still doesn't run. I yeah. think there's enough of these guys, you know, that that will just probably just outscore him based on their rushing. You know, Sam, Sam Howell comes to mind. Not that he's done a whole lot rushing, but he's been super productive in fantasy as well. He can run the ball. It's a pass heavy offense. Right? I, I think off will um, be, you know, somewhere around like quarterback 10 rest of the way. Yeah. I like that. And let's stick with Sam Howell because he's been a positive surprise uh, for me. And that's one guy I was going to bring up, but I'm happy to hear your thoughts. Right now, Sam Howell is comfortably inside of the QB1 line. Depending on your scoring, he's probably right around quarterback 10, quarterback 11. And he's had some really, really fun weeks. And we haven't seen any production from Jahan Dotson. And Terry McLaurin's been disappointing. So he's doing it in other ways with other players stepping up. And he has a little bit of rushing upside. Is Sam Howell a guy that's a locked-in quarterback one starter for you, Jared? And then Billy, take it away as well. 
I wouldn't say locked in just because it's tough to trust because I, I don't feel like he's playing that well, right? Like he's he's scoring better in fantasy than how he's playing, which is always tough to, to count on. But we're like not I playing said, he, real life football, though, Jared. <laughs> exactly. We're playing we're this fantasy, fantasy yeah. I think I think Howell's been a top 13 quarterback in five of six weeks so far. Um, and he's been, you know, he does, he does run a little bit. He's benefiting from Washington being super pass heavy. You know, the defense is bad. So they're, you know, in higher scoring games playing from behind. He does, you know, his schedule coming up now, his, his next five games, Giants, Eagles, Patriots, Seahawks, Giants. So like, as we work through these bye weeks, like how I wouldn't call him a locked in quarterback one, but he was, he is definitely someone worth rostering to use, you know, in spots there at situations when your starter is on by, he's a great fill. in. so he should definitely be rostered in, in most leagues at this point. Billy, we're using Sam Howell on in one team we split together. Your thoughts on him? Same question as I asked Jared. Optimistic about Sam Howell or kind of tempering your expectations? I think tempering expectations. He's like quarterback 15 season to date right now in fantasy points per game. Um, he's definitely had some flashes. Uh, it kind of reminds me of kind of a, um, a more efficient Blake Bortles. We're getting a lot of that garbage time <laughs> touchdowns. Um, and it just happens to be working for fantasy. Um, it, like you said, real life quarterback, not really doing that great. Um, but in terms of fantasy, he's putting up numbers. We saw quarterback eight last week, quarterback five the week before, 13 week four. And he had his blow up game against Buffalo. But the thing about it is his schedule does get tough. He's got Philly week eight, uh, New England week nine. That's going to be tough for him in both those games. Dallas, Dallas week 10. Um, and then he gets the Jets again week 16. So there's some tough matchups ahead of him. And so I do think he's going to struggle in a few of these outings. And so I have him probably as a mid-range quarterback too. Yeah, and I think that inconsistency kind of stands out with him where like you bring up Philly, like that Philly game was really positive for him. He played very, very well. But the week before against Jared's Buffalo Bills, it was like, yikes, the guy can't see a pass rush coming. Sacked nine times in that game. So I think it's kind of a comfort level when you get down to like the bottom of the barrel QB ones, the high end QB twos, they're there. That's why they're there for a reason. There's a little bit of inconsistency, but how at least gives me a ceiling, but that's kind of a scary floor. Jared, how about a guy that you were bullish on that it's just gone South either usage wise or just performance wise, a huge disappointment for you. Yeah. Rashad White's been one of my biggest misses of the season and the work has been there. You know, we got, we got that part of it, right? He's played 77% of the Bucks' offensive snaps. He's averaging 14 carries, 3.4 targets per game, but he's, he's just been super inefficient on the ground, which is really a carryover from what we saw as a rookie last year. I was kind of betting on him just being better in year two because I did think he was a pretty intriguing prospect coming into the NFL. And you know, we do see guys get better in their second seasons, but it hasn't happened for Rashad White. We'll see what happens with that backfield going forward. Last week was weird. Um, you know, White, he still dominated playing time. He still played 79% of the box offensive snaps, but you know, he outcarried Keyshawn Vaughn only seven to six, four targets for for Rashad White to two for Keyshawn Vaughn. The good news for Rashad White going forward is that Keyshawn Vaughn sucks. <laughs> like he's probably <laughs> even worse than Rashad White. So like even if White continues to be bad, like maybe he hangs on to enough work to at least be, you know, usable as a low end fantasy starter, but he's been disappointing so far. Yeah, our two sites were both ahead of consensus on him, and I think Rashad White's a massive miss right now. You bring up Keyshawn Vaughn, like Keyshawn Vaughn siphoning off some work from him is scary. And, uh, you know, we had Jim Coventry on press coverage the other day and talked about Chase Edmonds coming off the IR and potentially taking even more work, making it a little more of a committee. Billy, how scared should we be about Rashad White right now? Yeah, I, I'm in the same boat with Jared here. This was a big miss. The volume was supposed to be there, and he was supposed to be more efficient based upon the offensive line becoming more healthy. Um, none of these things have happened. Um, it just doesn't look like he's um, going to you know, be much more than a four. Uh, I don't even think he's at four yards per carry right now. I, I don't have it pulled up in front of me, but I think he's probably yeah. just under it. Um, but it's 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 a little troublesome when you think about you know the amount of volume he's getting and the lack of production that he has seen. Um, we have running backs that are really hyper efficient that are doing more with less. And it's it, it, when you get this much volume and you can't produce, things are bound to change. So if we don't see something soon with him, then I could see a committee happening more and more as the season progresses, even if on is bad. And um, they may add him running back the mix if it gets to a point. So I, I'm not confident right now with Rashad White for the remainder of the season. Yeah, it's super, super uh, tilting for Rashad White managers in both Dynasty and in Redraft. Um, he's the perfect kind of guy to throw into a two for one trade for somebody else while he's still maintains value. I think that's the way I would handle Rashad White in the trading league. Um, we're going to talk to Jared and, and Billy 
And we're going to talk about a lot of a lot of players going to help us get through week seven and also try to react to some of this recent usage after we hear a word from our sponsors. Hey, we're all starting new fantasy leagues all the time. And more often than not, where do we start our fantasy leagues at Player Profiler? On Sleeper. Because it's the best. You can imagine my excitement when I saw Sleeper rolled out. Sleeper picks, baby. And game stacking is the path to positive returns with these pick'em games. Find that sneaky shootout and set most of the players to go over their projection for that week. Or you find a game going to get dragged into the mud and take every member of the passing game for less than their projections that week. And if you... Pick up to eight. That's how you 100x your payout on Sleeper. It's called the Hail Mary. So if you use promo code UNDERWORLD, you get a $100 instant deposit match. Check out Sleeper's terms and conditions for details. These Sleeper picks are live in over 25 states. Yeah, buddy. Welcome back to First Class Fantasy. I'm Theo Greminger, joined as always by Billy Muzio and our guest Jared Smola of Draft Sharks. Uh, we got to talk about something important here. I'm going to take my medicine here because Billy, any chance he gets to, gets to you know, rub my face in this. Before the season, I made a bet with Billy, $350 um, on Jackson Smith and Jigba finishing as a top 36 wide receiver. <laughs> Billy has given me and listen. I'm, I'm going to take an L on that unless there's something wild happen. Unless he goes on on Ross St. Brown in the second half of the season, then I'm going to take an L on that. You know what, Billy? You win one. You know, hat tip. Um, but Jared, Billy's given me this opportunity to run it back here. I don't know if he's being a friend here or he's just being greedy. I can't really read him. Jackson Smith and Jigba second half of the season, or we could say you know week seven on. Jackson Smith and Jigba is he a top thirty six? wide receiver last week and i'll say this it's we love when we see guys see a usage change post bye week because that makes self-scouting come into mind it's not something random you self-scout you get more guys involved jackson smith and jigba was four catches for 48 yards i believe but there was some season highs um in in a number of metrics which isn't great but do we think that this is a trend where he's trending up or do you don't trust it Yes, season high route rate for JSN last week, 78%, which is a that's like a nice number. If he can stay there the rest of the season, I think you got a shot, Theo, to get him inside the wide, uh, you know, wide receiver 36 line. Let's also go. a season high average depth of target for JSN. Again, 7.4 yards, not great, but better than the 3.3 he was at over the first four games of the season. And, and what happened is we saw Seattle run more three wide receiver sets. They were at 71% of their offensive snaps in week six were three wide receiver snap, uh, sets. That was up from... 53% over the first four games of the season. I do think the injuries on the O-line forced them to have to play more two tight end looks early this season to, you know, get some blockers out there because, you know, they were missing both their tackles. They got one of them back last week. So I do think JSN's trending up. I, I like him as a, a sneaky starter this week. I know it's unbelievable that he's reached that level, but he has. Because, um, you know, if that playing time maintains and he gets the Cardinals, good matchup. Um, DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett on the injury report this week what we'll see about them but i do think um i think he's got a shot i would i, I wouldn't want your side of the bet the uh, top 36 <laughs> but i think i think he has a shot billy care to gloat you know i think anthony says it perfectly it's a it's a perfect house money bet right i got nothing to lose here outside of the money that you're already paying me so um that being said i don't like his chances while making the bet here um and and so i i do think that Everything we saw last week when we talked about all these career highs so far in, in the NFL, he still only finished as wide receiver 44. And so um, it's going to take you know more than that on a weekly basis for him to eclipse this number. We're looking at probably you know seven targets, probably four to five receptions, and at least 50 yards every week on a minimum. He's going to need a couple touchdowns here and there. And so um, he's going to need to see more snaps. It breaks down to it. I mean, he did see 70.3 last week. Prior to that, his high was 56.9. And so um, we're going to want to see him closer to that 80% mark on a week-to-week -week basis for him to get closer to this wide receiver three mark. And I, I just don't have the faith it's going to happen week-to-week -week with Seattle. Listen, guys, the thesis was always second-half JSN. I just didn't talk <laughs> about it as much during the during the preseason. That was always the thesis. I just wanted to have a little bit of drama with it. But, Jared, you mentioned you're starting him in a couple places. 
again, now that we have six less teams this week and some banged up rosters, who are a couple guys that you're, you're, you find yourself kind of excited to start this week that maybe in another week you might be on your bench? Yeah, there's a lot of guys I'm starting that I'm not excited to start. Uh, Darius Slayton comes to mind in one main event league. Oof. I'm not going to recommend him, but I'm, I'm forced. Um, the two guys I had here, the first one is Roshan Johnson, who I was actually really excited about this week, but then he didn't practice on Wednesday. He's still out with that concussion. So I, I don't even want to talk about him too much because he seems really iffy to play on Sunday. I do like him if he does play. Um, I'll throw out Latavius Murray, um, who is actually coming off season highs in both carries and snap rate. I think you know Damian Harris leaving that game early had a lot to do with that, but Harris is not going to play this week. Um, he, Harris and Murray have combined to averaged uh, nine carries and almost two targets per game this season, including most of the goal line work for Buffalo. So I do think Murray's going to pick up most of that. So we're talking about a guy who you know, is probably going to get 10 to 12 touches in a, in a decent matchup against New England. The Patriots have kind of been a middling matchup for running backs so far. So I think, you know, that that's in this week, that's enough to make, you know, Murray someone you can throw in there as an RB three or a flex play. Let's stick with before you give your names, Billy. Let's stay on this topic of of Buffalo running back because this was on the show sheet. Let's stick with it. James Cook is a guy that steamed up big time during the summer. It's a guy that I drafted a lot of. I have a lot of, uh, and in both dynasty and in redraft, and we felt really good beginning of the year. The Washington game, it's been all downhill since this past week. Latavius Murray and him were basically 50-50 and routes run was like James Cook 15 to 13 which doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. Try to wrap, you know, your head around this, Jared, what what to make of James Cook and is this something where like James Cook is an RB3 now or is he still safely inside the RB2 line for you? Yeah, th- this was one I um, stayed away from for most of the summer especially as Cook was rising. I just you know, he's a sub 200 pounds back that never was a, you know, anything close to a workhorse in college. I think he topped out at like 113 carries at Georgia. So you know, I, I just didn't buy him dominating the bills back. I, I still think last week's passing game usage was kind of fluky and that cook's going to remain the primary pass catcher there. And I think that's going to be enough to keep him. you know, it's like a low end RB two in PPR leagues. Um, so I, I think he'll be fine. If cook is your biggest problem at running back on your team, your, your team's in you know pretty good shape going forward. Billy, your thoughts on the Buffalo backfield. Yeah, it's kind of a mess. Uh, it just seems to be Buffalo doesn't want to use running backs. Like week in, week out, season after season, we see this now. And even when we think that the stars are aligning for James Cook and they're going to have to get him more involved because they got crusty running backs behind them, they just don't. And it's uh, it, we look at the running backs who have left now and who have performed well in other situations, like Zach Moss right now, who has done well inside Indianapolis. Um, I'm starting to believe now it's not just the running backs. It's just more of how they're being utilized and how they're they're deploying them out of the backfield. Um, we all know James Cook is a very viable pass catcher. We know he is actually, you know, a, a great runner. And so we're just not seeing him be deployed as such. Um, they continue to run up the middle with, um, you know, Lat Murray, and it was Damian Harris before. And so I am not confident in uh, James Cook's rest of the season. It was probably one of my biggest misses in projections as well. I was high on him. Um, and, and so I hope it changes in the second half and they look at it and they say, hey, now we're down to these two backs and we need to get them more involved. Um, and we need to utilize their skill sets a little bit better. You know, now we have a a, a lightning and thunder per se, and we're going to be able to kind of, you know, more accurately project what they're going to do for the rest of the season. Billy, how about a couple of guys this week that you're putting in your lineups? Um, same question as Jared, like your sneaky starts for this week. I mean, sneaky, kind of down and dirty in the grind that's available in most skanky leagues. Skanky starts. Skanky, skanky starts. yeah. This is a skanky one. Darrington Evans. Um, and <laughs> there's stuff. I'm in the league that's where I skanky. have to. Um, but for Jared's point, I mean, I have leagues where I have Roshan Johnson, who was, you know, top 12 in my projections model this week. Um, and if he doesn't play, uh, that opens up a lot of opportunity for Darrington Evans behind Foreman. Uh, we know Foreman's not much of, much of a pass catcher. Um, he's been utilized more this year as a pass catcher. Uh, in terms of like target share than he has in his career. But um, Darrington Evans has the ability to catch the ball. Um, he did he did see one target last week. He took it to the house, uh, not house, but took it for 34 yards. Um, and so he, he didn't have a lot of snaps, only 29.2%. Um, but if we do see Roshan Johnson out, I think they're going to lean on him a little bit more this week as he gets more involved. So um, I'm not comfortable starting him per se, but it is someone if you're down, dirty, and desperate um, that you can lean on him, I think. 
Yeah, and for me, I'm looking at, you know, if you listen to this as a podcast, we're recording on Thursday, so the game would have already happened. But I'm looking at Derek Carr. This is a guy that I added in a few leagues. And New Orleans has been like, if you take away the New England game, where it was like 33 nothing, they haven't cracked 20 points, I think only one time, as a, as a, as a total for a team. It's been completely low scoring. But there's some signs of life. Derek Carr had a season high in passing yards this past week. Uh, went over 300. Uh, he's got healthy options now at running back with Alvin Kamara. Gets back Jamal Williams, um, and then you you know obviously Chris Olave, Michael Thomas, and Rashid Shahid. But I'm gonna cram in Derek Carr in a few lineups. Jacksonville. It's funny we we think about like these defenses that are like complete train wrecks in their secondary, and people often talk about the Chargers and the Broncos. But Jacksonville is second to last in pass defense. They're allowing like 270 passing yards a game now. Minshew Magic last week, um, it was not great, but he did pass for like I think 325 passing yards. So uh, I'm gonna I'm kind of confident in Derek Carr tonight. And I'm also on the on the same token, I'm using Rashid Shahid in a number of spots. I think the usage looked great last week. This is exactly the ty- type of game that they're going to scheme Rashid Shahid into a few manufactured touches, potentially as a runner, and downfield targets. The guy had a 50-plus yard catch last week. He had a 25-yard-plus touchdown catch. Um, he's extremely explosive. So I'm looking for Rashid Shahid and Derek Carr to get me through this disgusting bye week. Any thoughts on the, the New Orleans Saints combination, Jared? Yeah, I mean, I like Shahid. He, he's a he's a fun player. Um, and the Jags too, by the way, are down a corner tonight. Tyson Campbell's out for them. My concern with cars, their O line is all sorts of banged up. They're going to be missing, I think, both their starting tackles tonight, and I think one other starter as well. Um, so that'd be my concern. On top of the fact that it's a Thursday night game, and those things never go <laughs> according to plan. But I get it. I mean, I I have Carr like around like quarterback fifteen or sixteen in my rankings this week, so he's definitely going to be someone that um, you know, a lot of owners are are, are forced to start. We had huge news this week, Billy. Kyler Murray, who a number of people, you know, said maybe he doesn't play at all this year. Uh, you know, why rush him back? You know, he's back at practice, and they've they've opened up the IR return window on him. He could be back anytime. Um, apparently, he practiced completely in full yesterday. Um, I'm excited. You know, you think about Josh Dobbs, the production he's had. Where he's been a, a mid a mid QB two, he's had multiple games with over forty rushing yards. Um, this is kind of exciting to have the potential for Kyler Murray in the second half of the year. What are your thoughts on Murray's potential impact on Arizona's offense and our fantasy teams? Yeah, I, it's I mean it's definitely a positive for any of the pass catchers. Um, I I, I want to see from a fantasy perspective. I think that we need to kind of temporary expectations because we're not going to see him run as much as we we used to see him especially coming off that that injury um i'm not sure you can 100 trust it yet it's probably more of a psychological thing and then they're not going to want to risk injuring him when um you know it could potentially become trade bait he could potentially be a part of the mix we don't know what they're going to do for next year but there's a lot of uh, of politics involved in this decision as well and so I, i'm not entirely certain that we're going to see you know that quarterback one um, week-to-week basis from him that we used to see. I'd say pretty consistently, probably like that quarterback 15 range and probably have some spike weeks ahead of him. Um, but I, I definitely think from, a, from the pass catcher's perspective, it's it's definitely a positive. I might go a little more bullish than you, Billy. I think even if you're, you know, they're not scheming him for manufactured design running plays, it's kind of in Kyler Murray's nature to take off and run and those are the type of plays where he rips, you know, off big, big, uh, you know, yardage. And we have seen him have a lot of success with Hollywood Brown. Rondell Moore played fine with him. Now you add Michael Wilson. I think there's – I'm a little bit excited about this one. And he's the kind of guy that um, I think could be a little bit higher than that QB 15 range. I think he's probably closer to QB 10. Uh, well, Jared, where would you be at uh, on this? Yeah, I think QB 10 to QB 15 kind of encapsulates his range, right? Like, yeah. I think he has a chance to be a low-end quarterback when it's going to come down to the rushing. I think it's interesting that Josh Dobbs is, like, near the top of the league in designed carries. Yeah. And he, he's obviously an athletic guy, but I wonder if, like, they're just installing an offense that, like, Kyler can kind of just, you know, slide right into and they, they can, you know, still call those designed runs for him. So we'll see about that. I do think, I mean, just the Cardinals offense in general has not been the disaster that we thought it was going to be. So, that, you know, that's good news for Kyler's chances when he gets back. Drew Petzing seems really sharp. 
And I know we don't have like a huge sample size and there's been offensive coordinators that have kind of tricked us in the past and then the league adjusts and it all comes down to, to normal. But like you said, Jared, like personnel wise, this was nothing. And we've had some good fantasy success there. Hollywood Browns in our lineups. James Conner had some weeks. So I, I think I'm somewhat optimistic. How about Hollywood Brown? Let's stick with him. The return of Kyler Murray. Does that bump him up for yeah. you? He's already seeing a really high target share. Yes, I actually have um, Hollywood Brown here um, down as a guy. I know we're going to talk about later about guys who you know could really ascend over the second half of the season. Is and Brown is a guy I have because his usage has been awesome. He is eleventh among all, all wide receivers in targets. He's ninth in target share. He's fifth in air yards, uh, but he's he's just twenty second in. PPR points per game. So he's been fine, but I think there's still, you know, room for him to grow. I mean, just last week, I don't know if you guys caught that Cardinals Rams game, but Josh Dobbs yeah, missed, they missed him twice. Deep yeah. balls. It, it was, it was a hundred yards and two touchdowns that Brown mm-hmm. had sitting right there and Dobbs just couldn't hit him. You know, Dobbs has kind of turned back into Josh Dobbs over the last two weeks. So <laughs> I, I do think, and, and like you said, uh, Theo Kyler and Brown have the history together from their college days. So I think um, Brown is definitely someone who's going to ascend once he gets a healthy Kyler Murray back. Billy, anything to add on Hollywood? Yeah, he's been a pleasant surprise. A lot of targets. Um, he actually has 100% route participation, which is really hard to do as a wide receiver. Um, and so that's number one in the league. Um, if we continue to see that with the increased efficiency of the targets, we're going to see a much better second half of the season. So we had a, a interesting usage change in Houston. Damian Pierce, for the first time, played essentially behind Devin Singletary. I know there's a few metrics where – he led him in, but Devin Singletary uh, had two targets to Damian Pierce's zero. The carries were almost even. The snaps went to Devin Singletary. What is true, guys? Is it true that it's a bye week? When we get back from a bye week, the offensive line is going to be a little healthier and they're going to go back to Pierce. Or is there kind of a changing of the guard here and Devin Singletary is going to be the running back that you want in Houston post bye week? Jared, which way do you lean on this? Man, I I think Damian Pierce is good, and I don't think Devin Singletary is is very good. But you know, you look at the metrics so far this season, and Singletary is beating Damian Pierce in yards per carry, yards after contact per attempt, rush yards over expected per attempt. So you know, Singletary has just been the better runner so far, and it's obviously a, a small sample size. D'Amico Ryan's came out after the game and, and said, you know, he said our run game was better. It was a complimentary back and forth between Pierce and Singletary. He, and and Ryan said, quote, going to continue to balance both guys out. So I think coming out of the bye week, we're going to see, I'm going to be projecting probably something close to a 50-50 split between these two guys. And that, you know, that's going to make them both you know, kind of like unexciting RB3s. But Billy, a 50-50 split where Devin Singletary is getting the targets makes him kind of interesting. Yeah, it's 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 flex-worthy. Um and I definitely think it's, I mean, last week we saw 52% to Singletary and 35% of the snaps to Damian Pierce. So that was a big shift where in comparison, we used to see like 59% Damian Pierce and more of that 30% range, Devin Singletary. Um, the rushing volume was was more 50-50 to Jared's point. We saw 40, 40, 40 to 43%. Um, and so the routes, that's where he's dominating. And so Singletary seeing 50% of routes, uh, for the backfield, um, where Pierce has only seen, you know, 20 to 30% range. And so if that continues, I think that uh, Jared hit it right on, the, on, on, on point. They're probably more of RB3s both moving forward. Let's take it over to Atlanta. We've seen recent positive signs with the passing game. You've seen Desmond Ritter pass for over 300 yards now for back-to-back weeks. You've seen Kyle Pitts uh, suddenly, uh, you know, have some positive play to him. Kyle Pitts a few weeks ago was a disaster. Now he's tight end 12 on the season in PPR. Jonu Smith continues to be uh, like an annoyance, but Jonu Smith is, is also a top 10 tight end right now. But really the biggest positive for me is Drake London. Drake London has his best game of the season by far this past week. I'm somewhat intrigued by the Atlanta passing game, which is something that I didn't think I'd ever say in the preseason. Jared, <laughs> uh, your thoughts on this recent trend? Yeah, intrigued might be a little strong for me, but I mean, I, I do think like at least at least Drake London is getting his targets right. I mean, week one was the outlier; he just you know was kind of invisible. But since then, you know, he's been well over a twenty percent target share since week two. So I, I think London's going to be fine going forward. I think Pitts will be fine going forward. I think, I mean, 
John Lee Smith's a weekly tight end one at this point until something changes, right? Like he's out there running the routes. He's getting the targets. I think you got to stick with him. Um, you know, the, the, the Falcons are passing more this year. They're not passing a lot. They're still near the bottom of the league and pass rate over expected, but Atlanta right now, they're, they're minus 8% pass rate over expected right now, which is, is again, again, near the bottom of the league, but they were minus 13% last year. So they're, they're, you know, throwing a bit more this season, which definitely helps, uh, you know, these pass catchers. It's more 2021 Matt Ryan than 2022 Marcus Mariota right now, Billy. Where are you at on Desmond Ritter and the Atlanta Falcons? I don't trust Ritter um, at all. I, I think that he has had a, a few productive games, but I just it's not somebody I'm confident ever throwing in my lineup. I know that you and I have him starting this week in one of our spots. I don't feel good about we're it. We're not happy about it, but we were <laughs> low on fab. And we needed to add a quarterback. And hey, man, we're going with the hot hand. Yeah, we got him for a buck. Let's go. Um, let's see. Let's see what happens. But I do like the the positive trend of consistency now for Drake London. The beginning of the season had me a bit worried because this was a guy I was high on going into the season who saw a near thirty percent target share last year. Um, started off the season with like six percent, jumped twenty eight down to sixteen. It was inconsistent, uh, and now we have seen you know, three straight weeks of 24% or more, 24 in week four, 24 in week five, 28% in week six. So um, that is positive. Uh, John Smith has been a surprise for me, um, but we did talk about them potentially using a lot of 12 personnel when they traded for him. So we are seeing that now kind of uh, come to fruition. And uh, I, I do think that because the uses of John Smith, um, the teams are now utilizing or they're utilizing the two tight ends It's actually opened up more for Cal Pitts. And now we're seeing them, you know, utilize him a little bit more. We're, we're, we are seeing kind of more towards John Smith, but um, we're seeing kind of a, a shift at least in the, in, in, in the guard with Cal Pitts and getting more targets. So that's, that's always promising. So um, Cal Pitts finally saw, you know, an above 20% target share this season, week five, 27%. It dipped back down to 14% last week. But um, I think as long as they continue to use this full personnel, I do think that we're safe with, you know, Cal Pitts and John Smith on a week to week basis um, and Drake London. Let's uh, stay at the running back position here with the Kansas city chiefs. Isaiah Pacheco caught six passes last week. Pacheco has more receptions now than he did all of last season. And I know it's not a huge number, but it's still a positive uh, change in his usage. Right now, Pacheco is, is, on, is on track to run for over 1,000 yards. And he looks like a dark horse candidate to be an RB1 right now. Same points per game as Derrick Henry. And in PPR, Jared, your thoughts on Pacheco moving forward. How are we treating him? Yeah, I was gonna say, I think Pacheco is a decent bet to produce as an RB one the rest of the way. Um, you know, he, he kind of, he got, he got ramped up early in the season coming off, you know, the, the dual surgeries he had in the off season. But if you just look at the last four weeks, Pacheco has handled 70% of the chiefs rush attempts. That's a mark that only three running backs have topped over the course of the entire season. And, and as you said, the, you know, he has a 10% target share over the last it's two wild. weeks, which is you know good enough. So if you just look since week four, Pacheco is 12th among running backs and expected PPR points. So he's getting, you know, low end RB one usage. I think he's a pretty good player in a good offense. So, um, man, I, I think he has a good chance to score as a top 12 RB the rest of the way. Billy, your thoughts on Pacheco. And I will add Billy. I think it's funny because we talked about like the, the playoff game where he had his season high in receptions against Cincinnati in the playoffs last year, similar game to, to this past one where it gets like six pet catches, like six balls. And everybody's like, Oh no, no, it's, it's Mahomes. Mahomes was injured. The offense completely changed. That's the only reason they would ever pass to Isaiah Pacheco. But the, rece- the receiving, maybe I think that opened up the team's eyes to Pacheco being capable of doing this in the NFL. Bill, your thoughts on Pacheco and kind of lessons we've learned about him. Yeah, I think it also has a lot to do with it. The receiving core has just been trashed, honestly, and yeah. and they have to get him more involved. I, I don't want to say that well, let's see what happens when McCall Hardman arrives because it's McCall Hardman. I but think that's fair, Billy. McCall it is Hardman fair. over Justin Watson. Correct. And and we're going to see him being utilized in that, you know, short intermediate routes behind the line of scrimmage bubble screens, which is going to eat into the running back uh, targets is what it's going to do. And so I do think it probably eats in that a bit, but let's see how they get him involved. Let's see how they use him before we go that route. But I do want to just say that that's a possibility. Um, 
I do have Pacheco as a as a RB one for the rest of the season. And if you look at this week, like I'm going to be adjusting my preliminary numbers, but he actually came in as like RB six this week. I have him ahead of Bijan. Um, he's actually ahead of. Um, I mean, there there's some names I looked at. I'm like, holy crap! Like that's pretty high this week. Like he's ahead of DeAndre Swift with 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 the matchup. Um, but they're very close with Swift and 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 I have him just behind Travis Etienne this week. So yeah. uh, implied total of the game's 49. You know the Chargers are are definitely beatable on the ground, and so it's 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 looking like Pacheco's going to be you know an RB six this week probably. I think or he's a great candidate, a great candidate uh, for you to go and try and trade for because I think a lot of people are expecting the regression. But it's like, why are we betting against the Chiefs' offense? Why are we betting against, uh, you know, Pacheco when he's shown us nothing but positives this year? Um, Jared, let's talk about Zay Flowers. This past week in London, Zay Flowers catches his first NFL touchdown. Um, he's led Baltimore in receiving, excuse me, in targets. I believe in four weeks. He's had three double-digit target weeks as a player, and now he finds the end zone. Are, is Zay Flowers a wide receiver too, rest of the season? Uh, where does he kind of fall in line for you? Yeah, he's a really solid wide receiver too for me. I mean, we talk about the Chiefs wide receivers sucking. The Ravens wide receivers suck outside of Zay Flowers, right? I mean, They're awful. Nelson, Nelson Aguilar is the second best, second best one. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So Zay Flowers <laughs> right now 16th among wide receivers and targets. He's 13th in target share. The other thing for Zay Flowers, he has the sixth best remaining wide receiver schedule per our uh, adjusted fantasy points allowed numbers. So that's going to work in his favor too. I, th- I think you're I think you're in good shape if you know he's he's your wide receiver too every week. Billy, anything to add on Zay Flowers? Yeah, every week I look at my projections and I say, man, he comes in so high every week because of the target share. Um, and I usually manually adjust down just based upon uh, the inefficiency we've seen from like a scoring format. We haven't seen him score a lot. And so we have to take that down because in order for us to, you know, get inside the top 13, 14, we usually have to score. Um, and so um, it's a guy that I have on my list that I circle every week that I need to like manually look at based upon the model. Um, but you have to like from a utilization standpoint, you got to love what we've seen. Um, I mean, just dominating snaps, dominate touches, another wide receiver who has seen a hundred percent route share. Um, and which again is very hard to do. I know we just talked about two of them today, but it's not, you, know, you talk about like players like, you know, Justin Jefferson or Jamar chase, they're seeing like 98%, you know? And so um, to be on the field, every single snap that they're out there, you know, throwing the ball and running routes is, 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 is an impressive, is an impressive stat um, and fantasy points are bound to come. So I always have them used as a high end wide receiver two. the projection model usually spits them out as a back end wide receiver one. And I have to adjust down, but um, it's, if he can start scoring, we're looking at a, at a week to week, you know, top 15 wide receiver. Yeah, and I'll add, you know, you bring up the the wide receivers being a disappointment. I also think the fact that J.K. Dobbins, you know, got injured, that helped the usage for Flowers because he gets those manufactured ones right around the line of scrimmage that may have gone to Dobbins. At least they showed it in a very small sample size in game one. Let's pivot over to the tight end position. Cole Komet, uh, obviously the scoring has upticked recently, but he's tight end five right now in PPR. We're, we're seeing a switch from Justin Fields over to Tyson Badgett. A lot of mystery over there about what Badgen's going to be able to handle in a full game. Is Cole Komet someone that you're starting on a weekly basis with Badgen behind center, or is this something where we've got to really adjust our expectations, Jared? I think you got to adjust expectations. I mean, we don't know much about Tyson Badgen. <laughs> I can't imagine it's going to be very pretty. <laughs> um, so I, the thing with with tight end, like Komet has a twenty percent target share. Right now, if he hangs on to that with Badgett, then like he's gonna be usable just because the position is so bad. But I mean, he's he's not he's not he's not exciting at least until Fields gets back. Very cool story with Badgett. His dad is one of the best arm wrestlers ever in the United States. It's like his persona. And Badgett <laughs> was at D two Shepherd, which you know that's a they they have a number of Division two schools in West Virginia and Pennsylvania. Um, and apparently Badgett had everybody trying to get him to transfer up. Had opportunities to go play in the Big Ten and the SEC. Stayed at Shepard, makes the Senior Bowl. Undrafted free agent, he's starting. It's it's really a wild story. But Billy, it's got to make you really really nervous if you're starting Chicago Bears pass catchers this week. Besides DJ Moore, who I think is pretty insulated with his target share. 
Yeah, it's one of the reasons, honestly, why I, I also mentioned Darrington Evans earlier. It's because when you usually have a quarterback, they're going to lean on the rushing game a bit. So we probably see a heavier utilization from both backs. That being said, whenever we have a rookie or inexperienced quarterback, they typically use the running backs as outlets and the tight end as an outlet. So I think that if anyone is going to be safe, and I'm not saying they're going to be safe, but if there was a chance that anybody was going to be safe this week, it's going to be the running back and the tight end probably, um, or the slot receiver. So we do have some outs, but I'm not confident in it. The Vegas Raiders at least is not like a daunting matchup. It's a, you know, they can get to the quarterback, but it's not like some overwhelming matchup. I'm interested to see how this thing goes. A quick question in the chat. Redraft, half point PPR, Logan Thomas versus the Giants or Pat Fryermuth coming back this week against the Los Angeles Rams. And who would you rather have rest of the season? Smooth rest of the season. season. Yeah, yeah, I'd rather have Fry moved the rest of the season just based on you know, what he did in his first two years, just buying the talent there. Logan Thomas is an older guy who's had injury issues. I, even this week, I have Fry uh one spot ahead of Logan Thomas in my rankings. Again, just kind of betting on the talent. I know it's been a slow start for Fry Muth, but it's also a really good matchup against the Rams. The Rams are um, 31st in our adjusted fantasy points allowed to tight ends. Billy, anything to add on Muth versus Logan Thomas this week in a Dominator preview with this question? Yeah, Rams are one of the worst against the tight end position again in the league. So I, I would lean against – I'd go for the matchup here. Whenever you have this close of a – I use tiebreakers with matchups and fantasy points allowed. So I'm going to take going to take the, the guy facing the Rams. Right now, the wide receiver three on the season is Adam Thielen. This is like as big of a storyline <laughs> as Puka Nakua. Thielen was a guy that was being drafted, but being drafted in the double-digit rounds pretty much any single format – we wanted to search for the number one pass catcher in Carolina. There was DJ Sharkhive, Jonathan Mingo Love, but Adam Thielen has been unbelievable. He's having his best season since 2018. Now they head into the bye. Jared, thoughts on Thielen? How wild is it? Expectations moving forward. Yeah, man, every year there's like one guy who just comes out super high in my projections and I just don't want to believe it and I don't draft him. And Adam Thielen was that guy this year. So it's just like, you know, he's been a target earner in the past and there there was no one else there in Carolina. The Panthers gave him a pretty big contract. I I just didn't want to believe it. But I mean, he's obviously exceeded anyone's highest expectations. Um, I mean, the thing with Thielen is he hasn't even really outproduced his usage, right? Like he he's sixth among wide receivers in PPR points per game. He's tied for sixth among wide receivers in targets. Um, you know, the, the Panthers wide receivers outside of the just aren't good right now. I mean, I yeah. still have, you know, some faith in Jonathan Mingo. Maybe he gets going in the second half, but you know, until that happens, I think they're Thielen's just going to keep soaking up all these targets. I have a bunch of Mingo. I wish I had a bunch of Thielen. Yeah. Billy, your thoughts on Adam Thielen revival. Yeah, it's gross, but it's going to, it's going to work all season. Um, and as, as long as we continue to see the running backs banged up too, uh, they're going to lean on the passing game, which is going to give Thielen even more opportunities. Um, not a guy that I was high on, not a guy that I expected to do much. I thought, you know, here he was leaving Minnesota, one of the you know pass heaviest offenses going to Carolina with a rookie quarterback situation was going to be gross. Yeah. He was going to probably be number one, but what did that really mean going to Carolina? Um, and so I probably say a huge miss on my part in the preseason, but it's going to, I think it's going to continue. I mean, we see rookie quarterbacks lock into the player it's working for them because you know, it, it, it is working and they want to continue to have success. And so I think that Thielen is going to be that outlet. Let's pivot back to Pittsburgh. Oh, and I'll give a quick shout out. My friend, Curtis Patrick at Rotoviz, he has Thielen in every single league and he like, like Thielen in the preseason and people are like, what are you doing? <laughs> Big hat tip to Curtis. You got it right. You got it right. Um, let's pivot back to Pittsburgh. I think it's very interesting. Deontay Johnson comes back from the IR. Okay, this was this was a guy that steamed up in in the summer, and then we talked about Pat Fryermuth. Um, you know, uh, comfortably a top eight or nine tight end when we drafted in the summer. But George Pickens has been a very pleasant surprise. Not to me. I was all over Pickens, but a lot of people were Pickens doubters. Last year, George Pickens had one game where he went over 100 yards receiving. It was like 102 yards um, towards the end of the season. And he had zero games where he had double-digit targets. He's had two games now with over 125 yards receiving. And he's had two games with double-digit targets. So the usage is trending up. Again, this is a guy who's 22 years old in his second year, and we're seeing a usage bump. How does the return of these two pass catchers affect George Pickens? 
or does it not have as much of an impact as some people may think? Jared. Yeah, this is going to be an interesting one. I I don't know the answer, obviously. I mean, I I think George Pickens is a better receiver than Deontay Johnson. If, I, if I'm a GM and I can pick one of these guys for my NFL team, I'd go with George Pickens. What I think doesn't really matter. You know, it's what it's what the Steelers think. It's what who Kenny Pickett you know want, wants to throw to. I will say, you know, so George Pickens over the last four games, he drew a target on 25% of his routes. That number last year with Deontay Johnson on the field was 15%. So, you know, he obviously benefited from Johnson being off the field. The other thing with Pickens is his usage changed a little bit without Deontay Johnson. Uh, his dot over the last four games was 13.8 yards, which is still a high number, but um, it was at 15.6 yards last season. So he was running some more of the, you know, shorter intermediate routes without Deontay Johnson off the field. So I, so we'll, we'll, you know, we'll see, we'll see if he keeps that role. If he does, I think he cannot produce Deontay the rest of the way. I also think it's possible that they, you know, go back to featuring Deontay and they're just, you know, sending Pickens downfield on these goal balls that he doesn't have a, a great chance of connecting on with, with, uh, you know, Kenny Pickett. Your thoughts, Billy. Yeah, I'm a little less optimistic. Um, if we follow the trends when they're both in the field, uh, Pickens is usually playing second, or I should say when all three of these guys are in the field, Fryermuth, uh, Deontay Johnson, and George Pickens, uh, Pickens is usually a playing third fiddle. He might get second looks at times, but um, he's going to be consistently underneath that 20% target, target rate. And so he's been a, a, a nice addition to the fantasy teams but it's because of the volume and he's seen 33 percent of the targets in week two 24 in week three 26 in week four 32 in week five and if you look at the fantasy output as well um is seen kind of this up and down right so he was you know wide receiver 11 in week two wide receiver 38 week three 65 in week four five in week four if, if sorry what is your five in week five so it's been that inconsistent with all of these targets removed from the equation if we put these guys back into the equation and we have more looks we have um Deontay Johnson who's always been a target hog I don't think it's looking that great for Pickens this week um it's going to break down to how healthy both these guys are in my opinion because um if they're both healthy enough to be on the field and run you know their full amount of snaps then I think Pickens is probably more of a back end wide receiver three this week um but if he is if they're going to be you know maybe playing it safe and 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 maybe having both these guys on snap counts with Fryermuth and, and uh, Deontay Johnson, then I think that we could potentially see Pickens as more of a back-end wide receiver too. Um, I just would have a lot of trouble putting him back inside the top 24. I think it could be like a big changing of the guard because they he scores the game-winning touchdown against Marlon Humphrey. You've also got the fact that George Pickens was injured coming off of a major injury last year, you know, a torn ACL at Georgia. Now he's fully healthy. But yeah, when we talk about self-scouting, like no Mike Tomlin's usually really sharp at adjusting and giving guys different usage post bye week. So it's going to be very tilting for Pickens managers, for Deontay Johnson managers, and also a little bit for Pat Fryermuth managers. So um not all three of them are going to be, you know, fantasy viable. There's just not enough volume there. Uh, but it's going to be a lot of fun to see and a lot to talk about. Guys, we're 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 close to an hour mark. So I really want to talk about these guys for the rest of the season that we see as risers and guys that either could be league winners or at least will be big, big parts of our lineups. Uh, this is a kind of an open-ended question, but these kind of players can really, really help us out in the, in the postseason, uh, the fantasy postseason, also down the stretch run, making these playoffs. So let's start with Billy Muzio on this one. Who's the guy that you're super excited about in the second half of the year, Billy? <laughs> Can I? Can you beat the drum for me and just start like just? I've talked about him all off season. My draft partner Dave and I are very high on this guy. He has yet to really see the field, but I do think that when he does see the field, um, he has game changing speed. So that's Keaton Mitchell for the Baltimore Ravens. Um, I I think that the Ravens are in dire need of a playmaker in the backfield. Um, they're just in, in, outside of playmakers outside of Andrews and Zay Flowers in particular. Those are the only playmakers they have. So they need one more outside of the quarterback position that's going to make an impact. Keaton Mitchell has, you know, CJ two K speed, four point three seven speed out of East Carolina. 
Um, we, when he made the 53 man roster, I said, okay, it's on, it's going to happen. Like this is, this is, this is actually, he's getting a chance. Um, that was his biggest hurdle. I think was making the roster in the preseason. We saw that the, the nice preseason run where he ended up getting hurt and landing on the IR, it set him back. I think that if he hadn't done that, he'd probably be in the mix right now as the RB two on the team week to week basis. So I think it's a matter of time before he, he, you know, overtakes that RB two spot potentially be, become the RB one um, not doesn't have the size to kind of shoulder the load, but um, you know, anyone with that kind of speed could take it to the house at any given time. Home run plays are hard to keep off the field and, you know, has the ability to catch the ball as well. So I think they need him. I think he has the, the skill set to succeed. And, and I definitely think that he can make an impact in the second half. Smash the like button, everyone. And Billy, wouldn't it be a more fun offense to watch if Gus Edwards just got like, you know, three <laughs> carries a game and it was God, just was... justice Hill and Keaton Mitchell and you have such... to watch like the cloud such... of dust. Such a plotter. I mean, it's so yeah. gross to watch him run the ball <laughs> every time up the middle and just somehow gets his 4.8 yards, though. It just happens. It, you know, it's just it's, it's so disgusting. It's like a it's like a bus, guys. It's the Gus bus and it's not exciting. It used to be like that was cool to be the gut. Like, no, it's it's terrible. Uh, Jared, give us a guy that you're excited about. And any thoughts on Keaton Mitchell before we move on? Yep, yeah, a lot of my um colleagues at draft sharks have been excited about Keaton Mitchell and I've kind of <laughs> been the guy tapping the brakes. And you know, for me, it's really the, the size thing. I'm just like wondering what yeah. the upside is, I guess, thinking about it, like maybe like J- Jaleel McLaughlin, like that's kind of what we're hoping for, right? Like he can get 10 touches per game, maybe, you know, break off some big plays. I think, you know, that's probably the upside for Keaton Mitchell. So he's definitely worth stashing because Gus Edwards and even justice Hill you know, just haven't been great so far this season. So there's opportunity there. Um, yeah. As I mentioned, I had uh, Hollywood Brown as my first guy for this. My other guy is Mike Evans, um, who, you know, it's been the past three weeks. He hasn't he hasn't helped us much. Right. He left week four early with the hamstring injury. He had the week five by. And then last week he had uh, 49 scoreless yards. But he was close to a big game last week, had, had a couple of downfield shots that he almost connected on. He saw another 10 targets in that game last week. That gives Mike Evans 38 targets on a 29 percent target share in his four healthy games this season. So he he's really emerged as Baker Mayfield's favorite target. And to me, Evans looks, looks like he has plenty left in the tank. So he's actually averaging a career high in yards per out run. He's at 2.82. Um, so if he continues to get that type of volume, we know he can make big plays. We know he's a touchdown scorer. Um, I think Mike Evans is at least a wide receiver to rest of the way. And like, I, I think he has a chance to score as, you know, top 15 wide receiver uh, for the rest of the season. Yeah, and I'll stay at the wide receiver. I love, I love the Evans call. And, and last week there was a, a he could have had another touchdown. Last week, Jared, there was a, a tipped pass at the line that looked like yeah. it was going to be Mike Evans, like wide, wide open. I don't know how he even got that open. So that could have been like an eighty-five yard touchdown. Yeah, um, I'll stay at the wide receiver spot. I'm going to go a little bit younger than Mike Evans, and I'm going to go back to Atlanta. Drake London, I think, could not only be a locked-in starter, but I think he could be ascending and be like a league winner type as the season moves along, there's just a lot to like about him. I don't want to sound meatheadish, but the eye test with Drake London, like this is a guy that you see having like a, like a growing type alpha role in this offense. You saw him at the end of last season, get increased usage. And now you're starting the last two weeks, seeing that same usage where he's had 21 targets the last two games. He's had 15 receptions the last two games, 203 receiving yards, and the the there's like a continual uptick. Week one was like the nightmare one target game. That's completely behind us. He's been wide receiver five and wide receiver 19 the last two weeks. I think he's going to finish somewhere between wide receiver five and not, not wide receiver five, but I think he'll finish somewhere where like wide re- closer to wide receiver 19 rest of season. And I'm excited about him. Um, I think Drake London's the kind of guy a couple weeks ago where you're like, can I start him? Now you're kind of excited to start him. Any? Do you guys have anything to share on Drake London? No. He's, okay. He's good. He's good. He, no, he, he's good at football. Uh, I have no doubts about that. I, I still think Taylor Heineke would be better for Drake London. He's just he's he's just a gunslinger. He's he's like a Ryan Fitzpatrick, right? He's not the best real life quarterback. He's going to make mistakes, but he'll he'll throw it around, and he's you know good good news for his pass catchers. Yeah, I think we touched on London earlier quite yeah. a bit. I, I think I think it's you know fits the mold. He's seen the targets, but I agree, Jared. I was actually I projected Heineke for six games this season, and so I don't think we're going to hit that now. But I, I would like right. to see him get more involved. Yeah, you know the if it if they lose to Tampa Bay this week, it starts becoming interesting though, guys, because we did Ritter did have the three hundred yards passing, but he had three interceptions last week. So 
we gotta we gotta remember it's real life football as well, and that's a winnable division. Uh, let's go back to Billy. Give us another guy, Billy. Rasheed Rice. Um, this is a guy who we're starting to see finally more and more of. He's by far and away the best pass catcher on this team outside of Travis Kelsey. Um, I don't understand why they're not getting him more involved. Uh, he finally saw 50% snap share last week, 51.5%. Um, and, and so he's getting more targets. I mean, when he's on the field, he's actually seeing like, – he's actually being targeted. And so uh, target rate of 32.2%, which is wide receiver five in the league. So if we can just get him on the field more and see more targets and the, the fantasy points are going to come along – I mean, we all know it's Patrick Mahomes, the Chiefs. It's one of the you know better offenses in the NFL. They're going to be throwing the ball. Just get this guy on the damn field more, and he could be potentially a, a league winner on the second half of the season. No, I, I love it. I love We've talked about Rasheed Rice a lot. I've read, wrote about him in my waiver wire column like since this summer. Um, you just need him to get more usage, Billy, because the yeah. talent's there. I mean, he's, he's a very, very good-looking football player. Anything to add on Rasheed Rice, Jared? I just hope the McCall Hardman edition isn't, you know, a knock against Rasheed Rice. It really shouldn't be. I don't think it's going to be, but uh, we'll, we'll just we'll keep an eye on that. Jared, give us another guy that you think could be a real help in the second half of the year. Yeah, so someone I'd be looking to trade for right now is David Montgomery, um, who I, I expect to miss uh, the next two games. I mean, he's not going to play this week. I think he probably misses the week after that. The Lions have a week nine bye, so I think you know Montgomery week ten is kind of when I'm thinking he's going to be back. So you got to you know factor that in. Hopefully that lowers his price if you're trading for him. But if you look from week ten to week seventeen, the chart or the um, Lions have the second best running back schedule. Um, and just, you know, what we've seen from Montgomery when he's been healthy this season, they want to lean on him. They kind of want him to be, you know, the focal point of their offense. So I, I think Montgomery, if you can, you know, weather the storm of him, you know, missing these next three weeks, hopefully he's back week 10. I think he could be a real difference maker down the stretch. I like that one a lot. I'm going to stay, I'm going to go with the running back here. I'm going to go with a little less exciting than David Montgomery, but I'm going to go with Chuba Hubbard. Um, I think that Miles Sanders is completely falling apart. We've now seen, uh, a pec injury, a shoulder injury, a groin injury. Um, he's played through it a number of weeks, but you know now you're starting to see Chuba Hubbard. Last week had his opportunity with Sanders out. He finishes as running back 13 on the week. You've actually had Chuba Hubbard finishing as an RB3 or better in four out of six weeks this year. Um, this is not an exciting player by any means, but he's a capable pass catcher. And I think in the second half of the year, he's going to be an RB2. And this is the kind of guy that you can trade for him during a bye week for cheap. No one cares about Chuba Hubbard. Uh, even coming off of a big game, I think he's a guy that you can go get in a lot of home leagues. And guys, we've seen in the fantasy playoffs, it's about opportunities and guys who can catch a few passes. Rashad Penny won people leagues. Devin Singletary's won people leagues over the years. Uh, Chuba Hubbard could be a guy that we're, we're putting into our lineups during the fantasy playoffs as like RB20, uh, that sort of expectation. Thoughts on Chuba Hubbard, Billy. Yeah, he's actually, even when um, we had everybody healthy, he was actually outperforming Sanders, um, I think, in, in a lot of metrics. Yeah. And so um, it, it's, maybe Sanders banged up the whole time. I mean, we know he's had preseason injury as well. And so there's a lot to kind of digest here. But um, Chuba's going to be involved. He's going to continue to be involved. And, and if he can continue to produce, he's going to see, you know, 40 to 50% of that snap share, even with Sanders on the field. So I think it's it's a guy that, especially if you're a desperate running back, is someone you should target. Anything to add, Jared? Yeah, no, no, Billy's right. Um, Chuba was beating Sanders in like basically any rushing metric you, you want to look at, you know, even before last week. There's actually been quite a few running back targets to go around in Carolina. That's probably going to continue again because the wide receivers are struggling behind Adam Thielen. So, yeah, I, I could definitely see Chuba being like a, a, a weekly RB2 the rest of the way, especially if, you know, Sanders remains out. We're over an hour here, guys. Jared, let's, why don't you take us out? Give us one more guy you're excited about the rest of the season. Oh, you're killing me, Theo. That's that's all I had. I oh, had, then uh, we'll Evan, pivot over to Billy. <laughs> Evans, Hollywood, and, and Montgomery. Billy, Billy's Billy's got a, Billy's got a few of them. Billy, I, I got I, I got one more, and 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 we'll close it out with the. With but it the can't Minnesota. be Darrington Evans, Billy. It can't be Darrington Evans. Right when I thought I was out, they pulled me back in. No, it's uh, uh, Jordan Addison. Uh, we don't know how long we're gonna see Jefferson out. I mean, Jefferson could potentially just say, you know what, guys, I'm hanging up the cleats. I'll see you guys next year. You know, and I don't think that'll happen, but it is it is a possibility. Um, but in the meantime, Addison is gonna be the wide receiver one. We saw him. Um, 
you know, 17% of the targets last week and, 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 you know, definitely the score. It, I think if we continue to see him climb in that target share, we see him close to that 20%. And, and if it continues to climb and climb and climb, he's going to be a potential back end wide receiver one, a week to week basis, probably high end wide receiver two, um, but has the, has the ability to, to really kind of shine and step forward as that, that rookie that we all drafted. So um, like his chances, like his odds, like the volume, the passing attempts here for Minnesota, um, trailing game scripts. There's a lot of things to like with Jordan Edison the rest of the season. Jared, let everybody know where they can find your work. Yeah, DraftSharks.com, um, and I am at SmolaDS on Twitter. Thanks for having me back on, guys. It was fun. Yeah, no, for sure. And I, we highly recommend all of Jared's work. Definitely check it out. Some really, really strong stuff over there. Um, and you guys have some very sharp people at Draft Sharks, so just keep it going. Billy, let everybody know where they, they can find you, and also remind everybody about what you're doing Saturday night. Yep, I've been hiding behind the curtain lately, dealing with a bunch of uh, backstage things for Player Profiler. Uh, a lot of exciting announcements coming here in, in the first quarter of next year, so keep your eyes and ears peeled for that. Uh, Dominator will be here probably 6 or 7 p.m. Uh, Pacific, so that's 9 or 10 p.m. Eastern. We'll announce it here as we get closer to Saturday once Bradley and I touch base on the schedules, um, and we'll get that, that going for you. But So start, sit, AMAs on Saturday. Make sure to hit us up there. Yeah, and definitely check out Billy occasionally, and then Dario Ofstein and myself. We're doing Reddit AMAs as well. We're, we've been announcing those. Those have been very cool, uh, a lot of fun. Billy, let everybody know where they can find those. Yep, you can go to Reddit. Uh, it's on Tuesdays. Uh, what is it? 2 p.m. 2 p.m., thank you. 2 yep. p.m., and there's always a, a, a thread in there. You can ask them, ask them there, and we get them answered, so... Yeah, no, for sure. And um, a reminder, The Dominator, that's not a podcast. you got to tune in right here on YouTube uh, to check it out on Saturday evenings. And check out my episode of press coverage this week. I had Alan Soslowski and Jim Coventry. We covered a lot of of different players, but, you know, similar relevant topics. And then tomorrow, 10 o'clock Eastern time in the morning, uh, Matt Kelly, the podfather, Alan Soslowski, and I are going to be doing a Sonic Truth Dynasty podcast. I'm sure we're going to talk a little bit about Rashad White and a couple of the guys from a dynasty perspective. That should be a lot of fun. Uh, And then tune in every week for First Class Fantasy. Most weeks we're at 3.30 Eastern time on Thursdays. Next week we should be right about this 12.30 Eastern time time. So look for an announcement for that. Let's win these weeks, guys. Let's crush week seven. Let's win some titles rest of the season. Let's win some money. Speaking of seven, Theo, did you see the Podfather Challenge before we hang out? Did you you see the I saw it. I saw it. It's pretty, pretty cool. Why don't you tell everybody about it? Okay, so it's with one of our partners, Bet Openly. We're doing a, a weekly challenge um, where you have to pick seven money lines. If you get all seven right any given week, of course, you win the entire pot. Whoever has the most picks any given week wins the pot. It's $10 to enter. The first 25 people to enter, I will personally Venmo you $10 as well um, to pay for your first for your first entry. The other piece is that if you get seven, I mean, because hitting seven money line bets is very tough. But if you get seven, you get a... Uh, one-year subscription to Player Profiler. There you go, guys. Not only do you win a bunch of money, but you also get a Player Profiler subscription. You got to hit seven money lines, though, guys. That's the operative one. Uh, look for it on on uh, Player Profiler YouTube as well. Um, and let's crush it this week, guys. Thanks for tuning in. Hey, I want to take a moment to thank you for tuning in. It's important to me that all of our media be free. This is only possible because of you allowing a true independent sports media enterprise to thrive unlike any other in the business. So please subscribe to the All-In Package to continue to make all of this possible to ensure that all of our stats, information, data, content is available to you, especially you, the people that get the site and get the show.